Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by Ole Miss baseball radio analyst and career hits leader, Brad <coughs> Anderson. Uh, Brad, a, a rough trip back from College Station. Uh, how you doing this morning? Yeah, it was a, a lot longer day than what we were hoping for. Uh, we had to divert last night. Should have gotten into Oxford around 7, and we had to divert and go to Memphis and wait on a couple buses to pick us up. But uh, at the end of the day, we're, we made it safely, and, and that's all that matters. That, uh, that is the most important thing. Glad y'all got home safe. I didn't think about, uh, about you guys in the air. I was uh, uh, aware of all the weather coming through about that time, but uh, glad y'all made it back safe. So uh, what's, what's going on with the Alpha Insurance today? Well, I got to thinking about it, Parrish, and yesterday obviously was Mother's Day. So uh, we probably talk about some ring policies that people don't understand about. I know that mother's got a, a wedding ring or some sort of jewelry that means a lot to her and you know most people don't understand that they're they're only covered up to x amount of dollars under your homeowner's insurance uh and you probably need to get it on its own policy so i'm gonna try and dive into some of those today with it being the day after mother's day well man that is something to think about i hadn't thought about that i, I lost a wedding ring one time and and was uh was fortunate to get it back. I, I thought it was gone for good, Brad. It was at uh, the uh, youth baseball field over there uh, by the cemetery at Joiner, uh, back that way. You know, it backs up to the uh, you know to the railroad track. I'm sure you played there at some point uh, growing up. And and uh, you know, I was helping out with Kyle's team. Lost it, lost it somehow, somehow there to game and. And was sitting at the SEC tournament in Hoover, uh, you know, a week or so later, and got a call, uh, Mr. Alford. We think we found a ring that belongs to you, and and so uh, that was uh, that. I was fortunate, but uh, I did not have uh, an insurance policy on that ring. That's right, and uh, you know, most of them that are just covered under the uh, homeowners are are simply if, if you know if they're blown away in a tornado, so you know, theft's not covered, and. Uh, and some of the, and if you lost it, it's not going to be covered. So probably need to put it on your own policy. But I got to thinking about that yesterday because I'm sure there's some some moms out there got some jewelry for uh, for Mother's Day. Um, but uh, so going to dive into some of that today, Parish. Well, lots of time to think on the on the plane ride back, and, and then a, a little uh, extra time there on the buses. So uh, you know, get some get some thoughts in order for the week. That's usually how I use that time. Hey, folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration continues for summer day camp. Uh, you can register at OxfordParkCommission.com or by dropping by the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13, cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25, coming up quickly, and July 5 to 30. Drop-off each day begins at 7.30, pickup is 5.30, games, arts and crafts, swimming, outdoor activities, field trips, just some of the things campers will take part in daily. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. If you have questions, contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com or just apply online at OxfordMS.net. 
Uh, Brad, lots of drama late in the game yesterday. Uh, Ole Miss uh, losing uh, six to five in the third game, losing the series to Texas A&M. Uh, Aggies get a grand slam by a guy who had been hot to all series, and uh, and I think you set a record for the shortest radio post game interview ever. It was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it, well, it was just one much to one uh, much to talk about. I mean, uh, the way it played out. Uh, you could just tell that dugout was extremely uh, disappointed. Uh, Mike obviously was disappointed. Uh, that may have been his shortest post-game uh, talk to his team as well, you know. And and what do you tell them? I mean, they put themselves in a position to win and, and didn't get it done. And, you know, uh, it, it kind of capped off a, a crappy weekend. And, uh, you know, you, you had to travel home and, uh, it just is what it is. Uh, you know, you know that uh, the regional sites were gonna were coming out soon, and uh, you know they just didn't play well. Didn't play well enough to win yesterday, and they ran into a really hot bat. And uh, he was at the plate at the right time for Texas A and M, and he and he made them pay. Well, he was at the plate at the right time. It seemed like throughout the weekend, he had the walk off home run in the ninth to win game one. And and to be honestly, Brad, it just didn't look like a a fearsome lineup there for the Aggies. They had a couple of guys that looked like they were swinging it well, and, uh, you know, and and they carried that team. Uh, a 200-hitter there, and Logan Sartori just really had a had a big weekend as well, but uh, nothing to match uh, Will Frizzell there with, uh, you know, uh, six home runs on the weekend, then, then the grand slam. Um, well, I want to come back to the regionals there, that announcement coming today in just a second. But let, let's talk about uh, – Yesterday's game, the seventh inning, as, as Houston Nutt used to say, good on good. You know, it was good on good with <laughs> Taylor Broadway uh, for Ole Miss. Uh, coming on there in the seventh inning, look, uh, it's not ideal. Uh, you'd like to give him the ball a little bit later, but he's done that before. He's capable. And and Will Frizzell coming up uh, with uh, the bases loaded. I thought Broadway, Brad, even though he'd struck out two, did not appear to be locating real well at that time uh, when Frizzell comed up, came up. He, he had walked uh, the two previous batters. Well, what, what did you see from Taylor at that time in that at bat? Well, yeah, but he got ahead of both of those guys, got them to two strikes, and they just battled back. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to visit with Carl Lafferty on the way home, and uh, he, he kind of had reviewed some of those. Uh, and he walked them. They were balls. Uh, but both both the three two pitches to the uh, one and two Alejo and Sartori, from our view, they looked close, could have gone either way. But uh, after Carl said he looked at it, they were balls. He walked them. And uh, you just it's just unfortunate because you had to pitch then pitch to Frizzell, uh, and And obviously he had killed us all weekend. But I mean, Taylor had walked six guys going into that. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those deals where you got your best guy and, uh, he didn't, he didn't have his best stuff that time, that day. And, uh, and Frizzell made us pay. And, you know, what do you say? Uh, you, you're certainly not going to question the move, bringing him in. Um, yeah. it was certainly the right move, uh, because right there in the seventh, after Doherty gets up the double, you know, you don't want to give up a run that inning to make it that much closer. So I certainly agree with bringing him in. Um, you know, he just didn't get the two. After getting the two strikeouts, he didn't get Alejo and Sartori out, and uh, Frizzell made him pay. And if you look at the 0-2 pitch he threw to Frizzell, it literally is up around his letters. Uh, I think Mike wanted that pitch in, from what I understand, but it still wasn't a bad pitch. He just tomahawked it out of there, 
Um, and, and when you're hot, things are going good. You know, you you hit you hit pitches, you hit tough pitchers' pitches. Uh, so you know, credit credit them. He he put the swing on it that made a difference, and uh, we couldn't come back and tie it up or or win it in the latter innings. I was going to ask you about that. I, I thought the pitch was high. I thought maybe he wanted that pitch. I thought maybe Bianco wanted that pitch a little bit higher or, or inside. Just uh, it was it was just uh, there enough for uh, Frizzell to put a good swing on it. Uh, look, uh, it was hard to see everything on TV, uh, Brad, but Dave Neal kept talking about the chirping uh, going on between Frizzell and the Ole Miss dugout. <clears throat> when did that start, and, and was that what uh, what Mike was complaining about in the eighth when he got ejected? Yeah, it was. That That's the reason he got ejected. I think it started uh, when Frizzell had hit his fourth home run, which would have been the first home run yesterday. He hit five total on the weekend, and uh, the game winner was his fifth. Uh, I, you know, I think he had he had been jawing a little bit at the dugout, and then uh, after he'd hit his fourth home run, uh, it's my understanding he hit he flew out to center field. Uh, <clears throat> I think lazily. I don't think it was the one TJ ran down and dove. I think it was the lazy pop up, and uh, and I think Ole Miss kind of jawed at him a little bit, and when they did that. He, he gave the four-finger gesture, meaning, well, I've got four home runs against you. Yeah. And uh, and so it just kind of was just back and forth banner from there. And I don't – after he hit the game winner, uh, there was – their entire team, when they came out to the dirt to greet him, uh, there, there was a lot of – there was a lot of jawing going on towards the Ole Miss dugout. I think that's what bothered Mike. Uh, he did not get ejected because of the balls and strikes. Uh, he, it was simply because of them taunting. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of it had to do with his frustration of us giving up the home run and uh, and not being able to answer there in the eighth. But, you know, it happens. They're kids. Uh, they, they, you know, they're, they're competing at a high level. And, and it was an emotional game. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, the eighth inning sequence, uh, Brad Ole Miss trailing six to five, still with two innings to uh, uh, get something on the board. They got some action in the eighth there when Bench and McCants uh, got on base. Uh, then uh, Leatherwood, three for three. I know there was a lefty-righty matchup going on there, uh, or the lefty facing the left-hander uh, with Leatherwood facing uh, – gosh, I, I don't have the uh, A&M pitcher's uh, name here with me. but uh, Joe's Walk. Joe's walk. Yeah. Okay. Lefty, lefty matchup. He went with Van Cleve. Leatherwood was three for three. Uh, what do you think? You give Leatherwood a chance there? Uh, I don't. Um, I, I don't because all the momentum was in that other dugout. Um, and we needed to at least tie it up, give ourselves a chance to tie it up. Uh, yeah. Hayden had swung it really well and he was extremely disappointed to be out of the game and any competitor is going to be, uh, now, I was surprised at first that Van Cleve came out. Um, and then I realized that he is one of our best bunners. I didn't think we were going to bunny, you know. And then I realized when he squared that he is one of our best bunners, and you certainly want a right-hander bunting against a left-hander. So that made sense. Uh, now, had he, got, had he gone up there and swung away, you know, you probably could have questioned that. Uh, but he was 100% in there to bunt. And it's funny – you know, when, when you lose games like that, it's so easy to second guess. Um, but but whether you're for uh, the decisions that were made or against them is how you're going to dictate uh, 
your thoughts on what happened. You know, so you're going to say guess and say, well, man, a lot of people are going to say, why don't we take Leatherwood out? Well, it gave us the best chance to win was to bunt the guys over with our best bunter, which we did. Um, so, you know, the people that are going to uh, complain about how, how the game was managed, they were going to complain one way or the other if we lost. Uh, and you weren't going to hear from them had we won the game, and then vice versa. So there, there's a little bit – going to be a little bit of, the, of a divide there. Uh, but, no, I – but I'm a bunt guy. You know, I thought it was 100% the right move. And, uh, you know, we had some guys coming up that could win you the game. But I thought the important thing was getting the tying run to third and the winning run to second because you still had Broadway out there and you felt, still felt good about that. You just need to get it tied or get it uh, – get ahead. Uh, but it didn't work out. But, no, I don't disagree with uh, with taking Hayden out and putting Ben in. Well, I like the decision to bunt and move the runners ahead, and it was effective. I uh, got them there, and so they're second and third with uh, with one out. I didn't realize uh, Van Cleve was uh, one of the better bunters on the tank because he hadn't seen the bunting period that much. Okay. That's right. And, and so, we wouldn't know that because we don't say it unless you're there watching BP or watching right. a squad. So I don't think anybody knew that, including me. Uh, I just happened to ask some guys after the game, uh, you know, the thought process there. So it made sense after after it got explained to him. All right. So Elko is in the game then, I guess, as as a pinch hitter. And uh, when he's intentionally walked or when it, when it becomes apparent that he's intentionally walked, there's not uh, – I, I don't know when I, I, I think that's that's the decision that I question here, Brad, because I, I think it really whoever whoever comes to bat there with one out and runners a second, third. I think there's a good chance that that guy gets walked intentionally. And uh, anyway, it, I just thought it was not uh, the best use of of Elko there. Do you what do you think? Could, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And uh, I, I know why they did it. Um Joe's Wax, a, a swing and miss pitcher. He's got a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. Uh, <clears throat> and Kel Baker's a he's a strikeout. He's prone to the strikeout. Um, so I get the matchup, you know. Uh, but I think looking back on it, they would probably, of course, it's easy to, to, to armchair quarterback uh, on Monday, but you, you probably take your chances with Kel there and let Tim hit for Calvin Harris. But you're still in the same situation because if, if, if Baker strikes out, then they're going to walk Elko anyway, you know, because yeah. first base is still open. Uh, and, and they're really, as far as right-handed hitters go, your only options were John Rice Plumley, who's strikeout prone, and Kemp Alderman, who's strikeout prone. So I, I really don't know how you do it differently. Again, it's easy, super easy to say, I guess, it this morning. Uh, but I, I don't know, I don't know how you do it differently. And after talking with some of the coaches afterwards, uh, Harris is a contact guy who runs really well. Um, so, you know, if he doesn't hit a, a sharp two hopper to the shortstop, we probably tie the game, but he did. And they made the play and made a great turn, uh, after substituting for a little bit better second baseman who turns it better than, uh, Sartori who was in there and it just worked out for him. Uh, but you know, it's so easy to second guess all the moves from that seventh inning on, but, uh, you know, I, I understand why they did it. Uh, it just didn't work out. Well, when you start talking about strikeouts, it makes, makes more sense because yeah, I, I see 
uh, Kel Baker striking out a lot, and then all and then all of a sudden you're in that situation anyway, and you're in that situation with an extra out on the board, you know. So uh, yeah, that uh, that that makes a, a little more sense there. Uh, but uh, just watching, I'm thinking, okay, uh, all right. Uh, I think you really could have could have saved uh, uh, Elko for that uh, DH spot and then maybe uh, kept him in the game. But uh, anyway, uh, running the bases was, uh, I, I guess, is is it home run or nothing with him right now? You know, every, I, every time he gets on the bases, he coming out. Yeah, every time he gets on the base, he's going to come out. <laughs> that was the that was the bonus from the Saturday game was he hit the ball out of the yard. So if yeah. you hit the ball out of the yard, he gets to stay in the game, you know, because you're not having to they're not having to pinch run for him. So you know, you got another at bat. Uh, but yes, he it's it's he is going to be pinch run for uh, if he hits the single. I mean, and that's pretty much all. He's either going to hit a single, a home run, uh, because you know he's not going to leg anything out by any means. So yeah. Uh, but going back to that, that was that was quite a moment Saturday, uh, the home run for Tim. All right, so NCAA uh, regional. <coughs> Today, they will announce 20 teams that could be one of 16 regionals. So 20 for 16 spots. Uh, Ole Miss now 14 and 10 in the SEC, I think gets in that 20 because I think they're trying to, you know, project out here. I think they're trying to give themselves some wiggle room. And and certainly uh, 14 and 10 is is solid in that discussion uh, right now. But uh, look, there's a lot of work to do, Brad. They go from uh, Ole Miss goes from what do you have to do to become a national seed to what do you have to do to secure a regional? Because if this is really about projecting out uh, where these teams are going to finish, uh, 16 wins, conference wins, is like the minimum. It's the minimum level of achievement to host a regional, and that usually requires uh, a good run in the SEC tournament if you just win 16 in the regular season. Uh, Ole Miss at uh, 14 and 10, you know, they've got to number one, you know, not get swept by Vanderbilt and, and make sure you know, if they if they don't win against Vanderbilt, then they absolutely have to win the Georgia series to get to 16 wins. Uh, flip side of that, if they can win two out of three and two out of three and get to 18, maybe, uh, maybe they get back in that national seed conversation. I just think the national seed, Brad, is going to be very hard to achieve when you look and see a team that has gone through a stretch where it's lost five out of six series. No, I agree, Parrish. Uh, you know, and yeah, that's why yesterday's game was so big, and really the whole weekend was. Um, it, we're not having this conversation. If we're sitting here 15 and nine, you feel pretty good about yourself uh, rather than 14 and, 14 and 10, and you know what's looming. Uh, with Vanderbilt and Georgia, who's playing really well, uh, and we've got to go there. Uh, but at this point, I think it's it's about hosting um, the a regional, and I know Ole Miss fans are not going to be happy to hear that, uh, and I'm not going to make excuses for them, but today is probably one of the biggest days uh, in the season for Ole Miss because uh, Gunnar Hogan is going to have MRI. Right. And uh, – and, again, I'm not making excuses, but you just think if Gunner throws this Friday uh, and we score eight runs like we did, we probably win Friday. Uh, I still think if Gunner throws against LSU, we probably win game one against LSU. And, again, these aren't excuses. It was the hand we were dealt. Uh, but if Ole Miss loses Gunner Hoagland, uh, it, it's going to be a tough road ahead. And, well, they're not, uh, not excuses. 
but uh, people want to hear explanations, you know, there's sure. excuses and explanations. And uh, bottom line is you, you take out uh, a guy like that, you're going to feel it. And reality is uh, this team has been dealt a difficult hand with injuries much of the season. Now, not all of them have been season ending injuries, uh, which we thought Tim Elko's would be. Anytime you hear ACL, you think it's a season ending injury. Um, but a lot of guys have missed a lot of time. And, uh, and, and for the most part, uh, the Rebels have been able to absorb those injuries. Uh, but I just don't know how you absorb uh, the loss of a Gunnar Hoagland right now. Uh, look, they've absorbed Tim Elko better than I thought. Uh, and a lot of that has, uh, has come from Hayden Leatherwood. He's hitting like 457 uh, since Elko's injury. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's still not the same, Parrish. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's still – they've absorbed it. Uh, but you just – you go back and think, where would this team be? Because you saw what Tim did on Saturday. Right. You know, had he been healthy? You know, he plays first base. And then you're able to move so, – you know, it just changes uh, – it just changes the whole face uh, and, and your whole mentality and your psyche. Uh, but if you lose Gunner, you, you lose – I mean, look what's happened to LSU this year. Uh, you know, they lose their stud Friday night guy, and, and you see how their season has turned out in the big picture. Um, so I, you know, again, you, you lose him, it's going to be, it's, that, that's just a tough, uh, today's a really big day, uh, for Ole Miss. I, I'll just say that, but, uh, yeah, the postseason, uh, they've got their work cut out for them. Um, so we'll just see, we'll see what the committee says today and, and see how it plays out. Do you know anything about uh, the timing on uh, the MRI? Is that something that happens uh, in the morning or later in the day? Or, you know, I'm wondering when. You know, I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't heard. I just knew they were going to do it, obviously, today. Uh, I, I knew the team was going to uh, – they had some They had some workout stuff around 11 and we're going to be COVID tested at 1230. And I, as far as Gunner goes, I, I don't know the specifics on it. So, uh, and, and it may take a day or two to get those results back. I haven't, I haven't heard. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll just wait here just like you guys. Yeah. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of justify your existence. The podcast talks sec through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop down menu on the left, scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories Flow, and you can find us on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good things in the group. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.